Welcome to the Mindful Medicina Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeanette Daniels. I'm a naturopathic medical doctor on a mission to inspire a renewed confidence in the intelligence of the human body. And joining the conversation today is my friend and colleague, Janelle Hartman, lymphatic and colon hydrotherapist, esteemed yoga teacher of teachers, and the co-producer of this show. Kate is a board-certified health coach, experienced Ayurveda wellness counselor, seasoned yoga teacher, and a lifestyle medicine educator who is on a mission to empower individuals to express their best health by encouraging them to take an active role in their well-being. She takes a nourishing and nurturing approach to supporting her clients to create intentional habits that help them to unlock their body's inner wisdom. Through her own healing journey that led her to Ayurveda, yoga, and nature therapy, she discovered a way to understand herself on the deepest level. She believes strongly that having a set of simple daily self-care rituals that are in tune with nature and give your body a predictable rhythm are life-changing. She is on a mission to share this wisdom and her experience with others with the intention of supporting them on their own path to heal connect with what is meaningful to them, and to elevate their health and well-being. We celebrate you joining us today for this conversation with Kate Towell. Welcome back to the Mindful Medicina show. Today we are talking to Kate Towell, and we decided to bring her on as a way to piggyback off of our sun conversation and talk about the circadian rhythm as it is... uh, reflected in the values of Ayurvedic medicine. And this routine, Dinacharya, we'll get into, uh, which means daily routine, and how important that is for maintaining the circadian clock. So welcome, Kate Towell. (laughs) Thanks for having me. We're excited that you're here, Kate. And um, I just want to say why I'm so inspired that Kate is here. I'm excited because I've known Kate for a very long time. And uh, in my path of yoga, you know, I always heard about Ayurveda, but it was when Kate taught me these principles that it really activated the teachings. I really got it. And I was able to start putting it into practice. And there's just such a way Kate has of taking these large, ancient, complex concepts and then putting them into these um, practical applications in a way of like you're you're a translator, you're a true teacher. Um, And I believe that your background with science and research allows you to have that excitement and curiosity to encourage people to experiment and to feel the results and then to help navigate that. So, um, you know, with that being said, can you tell us a little bit about your background, Kate? Yeah, thanks for that beautiful introduction. And I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so as Janelle mentioned, I uh, my background is in research biology and science, and I was working as a research biologist doing a lot of time in the field, uh, in wild places, handling wild animals, and in this time of my life where it was exciting and I was on the go and I was building career and um, I was also, um, you know, racing triathlons and doing all the things and engaging in life fully. And then... 
um, everything blew up, <laughs> as it sometimes does when you should be at the peak of life. And what was happening, I didn't know. And I had a curiosity and always found my medicine in nature. And so it, this giant rash broke out all over my face. And uh, it was a clear signal that something was going on. And so I found my way to an Ayurvedic practitioner, and I brought in to, to, you, you all obviously can't see it, but I brought in my first uh, consultation. It was labeled 2005, April of 2005. And I didn't have any idea what Ayurveda was. I had been practicing yoga for maybe a decade at that time. And um, it really changed everything for me. And what it helped me understand was the choices that I was making um, how they were going against nature and the natural rhythm and my own personal constitution and especially the time of life I was traveling through. And I was doing a lot of things that increased fire. And we can talk about what that means. And it caused this fiery rash around your eyes, which are a fire organ. And it was my body telling me, hey, you need to change some things. And what I started to change was how I structured my day how I made choices about when I ate, how I ate my meals, when I went to bed, when I got up, when I practiced yoga. And um, circling back to Janelle, I was practicing yoga at noon, the fieriest time of day, and I was having a massive fire inbounds in my body. And I was practicing hot power yoga, also more fire, at the fieriest time of day, and skipping lunch. And I would leave yoga at the studio that Janelle taught at, and I would drive back to work, and I would be like, like super amped, I love yoga, but like really angry, like driving with extreme passion, and get back and and I was like, wow, what's going on? And one of the things that the practitioner pointed to, one of the first things was like, when they asked me about what was going on with my day, I'm like, what? When do I go to the bathroom? When do I? When they, and he was just like, stop this hot yoga at noon and eat a lunch and step away. And I was working on this beautiful campus that had a park near it. And so I stopped hot yoga at noon. <laughs> and I went outside and I ate my lunch outside and I went for a walk and I was in nature and I actually took time to eat. And that understanding, that started to change everything. My digestion, what was happening with my rash, my mood. And be beautiful Janelle, who probably saw all of this, was teaching yin before anybody was teaching yin. <laughs> And was like, maybe some yin, if you don't know, like slow, cooling, stable <laughs> practice. Um, and so one beautiful gift from that was it changed my yoga practice mm -hmm. in a way that was meant for me. I'm not saying that, you know, hot yoga is right for some people at some times in their life, at some times a day. But for me, at that time in my life, for what I was experiencing, mm -hmm. it was not a great choice. And so... Through those experiences, I just wanted to learn more because that's part of who I am. And I just started soaking it up and making these changes. And it led me to um, shift careers, to go to India, to study yoga deeper, to um, study Ayurveda, and then to begin to teach it and share it with others. Hmm. So, Kate, uh, I think some of our listeners may not know what Ayurveda is, so we're curious, could you give us a little basic framework of what we're going to talk about today? Yeah. So Ayurveda um, means the science or wisdom of life. And it's a tradition that comes from now India. I think it's probably started before borders. So there's some in other um, areas like uh, Tibet, Nepal, things that are influenced by Ayurveda. But 
the traditional Ayurvedic medicine and started thousands of years ago. And it's really based on what I was speaking to, like aligning your rhythm with the rhythm of nature and understanding who you are in relationship to that, your particular um, tendencies that you were born with, these beautiful qualities that we have that we can express both in balance and out of balance. And Ayurveda really, yes, it recognizes the individual, but I also really appreciate that it looks for root cause and that um, all of the medicine is derived from nature. So not just herbs, but but how we eat. And again, how we tune ourselves to the wheel of the day, the structure of sunrise and sunset, the movement of season, and also the time of life, which is very important to understand in how we move and who we are. And Ayurveda also, um, one of the main uh, tenets is that digestion is king. And that looking at all of these qualities in related to how we're digesting, not just food, but what we're, how we're digesting information and emotion. And if we think about today, we're bringing in so much that we have to digest. And when you think about Ayurveda and its base teachings, the root of it is the Pancha Mahabhutas, which means five great elements. And those are earth, water, fire, air, and space, or ether. And those elements have qualities, like earth is heavy and stable, right? And water is cool and flowing. Fire is sharp and intense, hot, right? Air is light and mobile. And space is the container of everything, right? It's diffuse, but in the best way, right? It gives us the room we need. And that these elements combine in us, and they're markers of the time of the day or the seasons or our time of life. And they combine in these what are called doshas. And some of you may have met the doshas. A lot of the ways people come to Ayurveda is they take a quiz and they get a label and they are on their way. And I just want to suggest that what we're talking about today, I think, is really important to pull back from that and look at the bigger container. It's massively important to understand your particular qualities, but it takes a little refinement, uh, how that plays out in life. And that so when they combine, when earth and water combine, that is kapha. And kapha is the energy of structure and stability. And so it is, um, <clears throat> you know, in the day, We'll t- we can talk about that more, but one example of where it is in the day is towards the end of the day when we want to be embodied in feeling more stability as we head into sleep. That water, mostly fire, but some water combined to pitta, and pitta is the energy of transformation, the fire, right? And it's alchemy, and not just like the fire of digestion, which is important, but also what I spoke to about not just turning food into nutrients, but turning information into wisdom and emotion into uh, like digesting emotion. So feeling into usable res- re- response. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. This pit is content to pop off okay. <laughs> and, and other things. So, and then um, vata is the energy of movement. And so air and space combine and that's light and mobile and dry. And those are some of the qualities. And so we were talking about time of day. If we go back to Pitta, one clear example is midday, what I spoke to in my own personal healing journey. Okay, if at noon, we've got a lot of fire. It's our highest capacity to digest. Fire is increased. If you've got fire, a lot of fire, you might want to not want to do more fiery things. We, we have such an ability to transform then 
like the, the most gastric juices, right? We're ready to digest and take that in. We're really sharp at that time of day. And an example maybe for vata time of day, which we can get into more, is that um, often people, when um, they have insomnia, might wake up at 3 o'clock and their mind just switches on. Mm -hmm. And that's the energy of movement. You're moving into vata time. It gets lighter. It's meant to draw us out of sleep. There's a real clarity then. But if we have a little imbalance in that time, the mind's going to turn on and keep going and just going and going and keep us up. And so that's kind of how these qualities, you know, one example of how they play out during the day. And even if you've met them in another way, maybe um, today, think about drawing back from that and think about how they play into the larger picture. Mm-hmm. And Kate, um, I remember when I first learned about Dinacharya, uh, it was in a sleep workshop, an Ayurvedic sleep workshop that you were offering. And it just made such an impression on me that right away I started, and I remember it was like even 15 minute increments to start bringing myself into this routine. Could you talk a little bit more about the importance of this rhythm and the connection to the circadian rhythm of our sun? Yeah, yeah. So the wheel of the day, how we move with throughout the day, like we are humans. And, and it was in the earlier podcast, if you haven't listened to it, go back because it's the one about the sun is so great. And we are really meant to move with the sun, like sunrise and sunset. We're not owls. We don't, our head can't turn around. We don't have these giant eyes. We're not <laughs> hunting at night. Our physiology is tuned to sunrise and sunset. The functions of our body, both physically and mentally, emotionally, um, are optimized at specific times. And when we live out of rhythm, it creates a lot of imbalance in physiology, in mind, in emotion. And so by following this dinacharya, the wheel of the day, we're able to optimize those things. We're able to meet our body in the natural rhythm. Um, And it creates a lot of freedom. It may seem like having some container is confining, but what it actually does is create a lot of freedom because then it's just running in the background, right? And so when you think about, let's say, sleep, for example, something that gets very much out of rhythm because we have lights, we have technology, we have the ability, everything is 24 available. You can go to the gym 24 hours a day, you can get food whenever you want, like it's available. And um, when you think about things like, what I hear a lot is people wake up tired, right? So if you think about how you're feeling in the morning, your day starts the night before. Mm-hmm. And when you think about preparing for sleep or how you want to feel the next day, what we tend to do is borrow energy from the next day or from things like caffeine or sugar. And if you back it up and if you follow the wheel of the day and you start the night before with, let's say, dinner. And when our digestion is winding down and when we're meant to digest and, you know, in Ayurveda wisdom, you want to close the kitchen by seven because one, that kapha time of day from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., that heaviness that is embodied digestion is low. Kapha doesn't have a lot of fire. <laughs> the water is not that fire. So you have less digestion. So if you're having your biggest, heaviest, stickiest, maybe mac and cheese meal or a meat and potato meal at 8 p.m., 
That's not optimizing sleep or even what your body needs to do in sleep. Your, your fire is going to go to digest food that it really can't at that time. And you're going to gain weight. You talked about it so beautifully in your other, you know, it's going to add to weight gain, right? So if you think about oh, backing up to what am I having for dinner and when? So it's an earlier, lighter dinner so that you're freeing yourself for what the body needs to do in sleep. And again, if you're eating dinner at 8 or 9, 9 p.m., like Janelle said, back it up 15 minutes. Start small. Your physiology will catch up. Make it easy for yourself, right? So especially if these ideas are new for you and you're dialing in you know, your workday rhythm or whatever is happening, you're shifting things around. But I think that's an important piece. And then in that kapha time, right, you're, you're connecting maybe conversation with family or doing light chores or a slow walk, but not your most intense exercise, right? You're winding down. And then that next piece, that 10 p.m. piece um, to 2, which is that another fire time to 2 a.m. is important. And Janelle, you're nodding. What's happening in the body during that time? Well, that's definitely like when things are wanting to transform but if you are if you are awake or you're you know doing these other activities then that's going to just almost like to me it feels like the container is um incontinent and it's like everything is going outward but if you can be passive then that transformation starts to happen inside with your organs with the processing of emotions with your dream life yeah. um, so it goes in is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It's another time for transformation, but not food, right? right. <laughs> it's cellular repair. It's the liver. The janitor's coming around. You're moving into that time where the body needs to process emotion. It needs to process what's happening in memory. And they know that, right? There's such cool videos about what's happening in the brain during that time. It's getting cleansed. And if you're not sleeping and your eyes are open, your fire organ, and you're taking in more information, more to digest, that fire is going to digest food maybe you ate late or whatever you're watching or reading, and you're not getting cellular repair and renew and regeneration and cleansing, this detox that's so important. So if you think about longevity, the closer you can get to bed by 10 p.m., 11 p.m., it's so, so important. And again, if you're staying pushing that you know if you're procrastinating sleep if you feel that fatigue that embodied and you ignore it you ignore your body's signal and then you stay up you stay up again it's that borrowing energy the next day it's going to spill over so if there's any place you're going to start to tune into i would say think about sleep and how you can begin to move towards that 10 to 11 p.m window Mm-hmm. Now, um, it's interesting. I was having this great conversation with a, a, a sound healing artist mm-hmm. who says, well, I'm a night owl because I have so much creative energy. It's like, it's almost like right around 1030, I just get this burst of energy. And I'm like, well, that's a little bit of a, a cortisol burst or adrenaline burst because, you know, your body thinks like we're surviving. I guess we're like going to make it through the night, you know, um, on this very primal level. Yeah. But they talk about how much creative energy they have at that time. And I said, you know, um, I know that you'll talk about the morning here soon, but, you know, just as to say, I feel like when I, I wake up now, I wake up around 4 a.m. without an alarm. Mm-hmm. And I have music coming through. I have mm-hmm. insights about myself and humanity. It's like I'm tuned into the radio waves of God. Yeah. And that is a, such a juicier creativity than I ever felt doing the night owl stuff. It felt, you mm-hmm. know, just felt a little bit manic during those times. And so 
I've kind of like made that switch. I don't want to jump ahead, but no. I just wanted to say about that time of like, it's good to get in bed right before you, because you don't want to have that burst of energy and have you stay up. You want that burst of energy to be happening internally, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think that we call that a second wind, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's so cool how we have these terms, right? Because you're moving to the wind. So the fire drives you through, right? That you're still in pit to time till two, but like it's that passion or the fire, just I'm going to stay up, I'm going to focus. And then you move into that second wind because then you're in vata time, that time of wind. And that is a time of creativity and a time where we are, because it's so subtle, those Kapha to vata move from gross or more embodied to more subtle. It is a time when the veil is thin, right? You're getting these transmissions when you're open to it, to whatever spirit is for you or your deeper wisdom or whatever's coming through on the more subtle level. And creativity is such a part of that because we even have these ideas like second wind or I pulled it out of thin air. Like it just came to me. Mm -hmm. And when does it come to you? It comes to you at those times, mm-hmm. you know, or the other time of day. It's such a sweet, that morning time, because it's clear, it's open, and you're aligned to it, right? And it's a different vibe. The other creative time is that 2 to 6 p.m., where we can be restless and want to move around. And so your friend, who's a sound person, if he's, if he's not willing to push or she was willing to push towards, you know, 4 a.m., Maybe switching that creative juice to the afternoon and mm-hmm. see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, it occurs to me, like you, you said it, that the embodiment of that time where the energies of the kapha, the earth and the water, um, are meeting with the air and space, and it's like able to crystallize something into existence. Like there's a birth feeling, and like yes. all these ancient cu- cultures, like the Sufis, and like you know, even like Tibet, like that's the, what do they call it in India? The um, Amrita hour. Mm-hmm. It's like the time that's Brahmacharya. Seen, yeah, yeah, where it's just like the most beautiful time to connect with God. And yeah. and um, you know, you and I have both been to India, and you know, staying up in Rishikesh, which is at the base of the Himalayas. And um, before the sun comes up, everybody is ringing bells and chanting. And you can hear it just reverberating through the land. And they're celebrating that time of day, um, the birth of a new day, you know, celebrated with such gratitude right before the sun comes up. There's Mm -hmm. something just so juicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the the blue light time, right? (sighs) Uh, which I think is what in Ayurvedic medicine, they suggest that you're waking up about 90 minutes before the sunrise. Is that correct? Yeah. And when you were speaking about that in the earlier podcast, I was like, yes, the, that light is the, the light, that sweetness that you spoke to, that blue light. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the night shift workers, mm-hmm. a big shout out to you guys out there. I know this is difficult, um, you know, because that's, you know, the way that you're bringing in your money. And uh, so my heart goes out to people who are unable to go along with this schedule and being in alignment with the circadian rhythm. We know that night shift workers are, you know, they have an increased risk of several different disease types, one of which is early dementia. Uh, So it's really super critical if you can get in alignment with that sleep cycle and is am I correct to think or to understand that different dosha types should be rising at different times? 
Yeah, that can be helpful too. I was thinking too, uh, I'm so glad you brought up the night shift because I work with um, some folks who are on night shift and same. It's really hard. You can bring some structure, but especially if you're on for five days in the at night shift and then you're going to a day shift for your weekend and that rhythm is really challenging. So again, like one thing that they can do consistently, both when they're on night shift or off, whether it's a meal time or whatever can help with some. I don't know if you have any ideas about that because I would love to hear. Yeah, well, from what Dr. Jack Cruz says, uh, he suggests that if you do have a night shift, you know, schedule, that you go and see the sun setting. Mm. And so you're still yeah. getting that light information in, in into the corneas and, um, you know, ho- hopefully stimulating, you know, sort of <laughs> a sort of a polar, you know, schedule. So it yeah. is possible, but... You know, I mean, this is this is second best, right? Yeah, yeah. But but because of the, you know, 125 years ago laying down the electric grid, we can do these nonsensical things like working in the middle of the night, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's just this pathology that starts to arise with these these little. Um, I think you've called them micro. Um, insults or aggressions there's a word for it actually even in sanskrit what is that word the crime against wisdom or fragnafradia like one of the (laughs) one of the three ways we go out of alignment is like going against our own instincts you know better but you do it anyways and not in a way of shaming you not any of that stuff but your body is telling you hey and you're like you ignore you ignore the body's signal Mm -hmm. and yeah exactly and um and then Jeanette, you mentioned um, the dementia, the early onset dementia, and Kate, you also said you you made a gesture with your hand when we sleep. This like the fluctuation of the little bit of a subtle growing and shrinking of the brain that squeezes out the lymphatic fluid, which is the amyloid proteins mm-hmm. that they have found to be causing the dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is something over time that that trajectory of pathology that can grow without having that. Um, and I would say, you know. All, to then just be really tending to the lymphatic system around the base of the skull, the occipital nodes, and like just there's things that people can do to tend to their lymph, but really, you know, that sleep, that deep sleep is so important for the brain to actually cleanse itself. The whole glymphatic system, they call it, you know, for the glial cells that are in the, the brain. It's, um, it's Then it joins with the rest of the lymph system. Yeah, they found this in 2016. So cool. Which is another thing that, like, I wanted to just kind of prompt you to talk about the Nobel Prize for Science thing. This is really funny, actually. Yeah, they're in, I think it was 2017, the Nobel Prize for three researchers who um, discovered circadian circadian medicine has been around for a very long time. But they got the Nobel Prize in circadian medicine, and a lot of research has taken off since that time because we— in the West and in science, like to break things down into smaller and smaller pieces, right? And so what they found was that there's about a little less than 800 gene codes that are switched on and off by daily rhythm, by daily routine. So if you change certain things, you're changing which genes are expressed or not expressed. And that when you follow your physiology with sunrise and sunset as the body is set up to, that that you are optimizing that expression, that you're going to be more well, longevity. Yeah, I mean, we have a word for that called epigenetics. So, you know, the the genes are 
sort of just my analogy about genes is that it's a light bulb and the epigenetics is the light switch. And so being in alignment with the circadian rhythm is sort of a conductor and it's instructing, you know, hey, you know, all right, violins, you're on, (laughs) you know, drums go for it. And so it's, it really is more important to focus on epigenetics. And in this case, you know, it's this circadian rhythm. And also going back to the episode on the sun, the light coming in. Mm-hmm. So th- that's all epigenetics. Yeah. yeah, it's the signal for everything, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that in science, I love science. I love reading the papers because that was my background and writing the papers. And in my, uh, I, one of my Ayurveda teachers always said, you know, they've never undergone a study has never proven Ayurveda wrong, right? Anything that they've done, whether it's like, what's the active compound in turmeric? Why do we love it? Versus, in, in, and with this circadian medicine, it's like, yeah, that's Ayurveda. And yeah, it's so cool now that we have this deeper understanding. And I think it just points to more and more, let's do this. Let's mm-hmm. attune our rhythms with sunrise and sunset and see what happens. And what the science shows is what's going to happen is you're going to express your best self. Mm-hmm. You're going to get well. And the, the baseline importance of this, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I often make the joke that, like, let's say we're just starting from basics. Like, you know, you eat Big Macs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of part of your diet. Um, but before talking about any herbs or food or anything, mm-hmm. I would like you to eat your Big Mac from 10 to 2 p.m., mm-hmm. you know, to 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. where your bile flow is high. And like, you know, it sounds like we're winding our through the day. Let's let's continue talking about like yeah. the, the path of, of Dinacharya, the pathway through the day. We are kind of talking about the morning. If there's anything else you want to say, but then we'll we'll kind of keep moving. Yeah, sure. So the morning, right? So you have this time of creativity or connection, right? Meditation during that time. Um, also in that vata time in the morning, movement. You should eliminate, right? Your physiology is cleaning during the night, metabolic waste. You get up and downward flow, friends. It should happen. If it's not without coffee, it should happen without coffee. You need to have a shit in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if you don't, come see us. That's yes. right. Come see us. <laughs> So, um, yes, so that's what's happening there. And, you know, you might get to like exercise, move the prana, have some breath work, get the physiology going. Then you're going to roll into another time of kapha, which Janelle spoke to. It lands. So ideas, things might come during that time of day, but then they get grounded into the body. So from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., now we're in stability. So, yeah, you could do a workout then. Um, if you, if that's a good time to be embodied, uh, a light meal, like your breakfast around eight or whatever's happening there. Again, remembering digestion for lo- is low, depending on you. I am a f- have fierce hunger in the morning because I got a lot of fire and I, I need to eat in the morning. My fire is low in the evening, but like, just go tune into your hunger. But yes. And then that's a good time to like tick things off of your list. It's like a time to like, Start the day, check some things off, things that either be in your body in some way or like do some chores or things that you're just maybe made the list the night before as far as focus is concerned or what's happening in in task-driven world. And then you move into this pitta time, right? Again, from 10 until 2. And that's where we have very sharp focus. So you can be strategic during that time. 
organize some stuff, have strategic meetings. Like you got sharp focus then if you need to focus. Learning is good at that time. Those kinds of things, right? And as Janelle was pointing to, heat of transformation in the gut is happening. To, you know, 12, 12, 30, 1, you've got the most power to digest. So yeah, if you're going to eat a Big Mac, have it then. I always tell people who like dessert after dinner, and that that's their thing, and it's probably their thing for a different reason. But if you're going to have dessert, have it in the middle of the day. Have your Ayurveda teaches, have your biggest meal, whatever that is, when you have the most capacity to digest. And how often do we skip lunch? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it shows that there's the, the, like I said, bile is actually flowing better. Mm-hmm. Like all of those juices, like your vagus nerve is like in its digestive, like high capacity at that time too. And again, studies that yeah. have been proving this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to say as a naturopathic doctor, don't ever eat a Big Mac. <laughs> I don't care what time it is. Um, yeah. Unless it's death row and it's your last <laughs> meal, right? We talked about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, the, the pancreas and the gallbladder and the liver really aren't, you know, online uh, later in the evening. And so you get this maldigestion and malabsorption. And so, you know, things start to get, you know, putrefy. Mm. And I would say, again, you know, I'm sort of speaking to, I guess, the night owls or the shift workers, if you, you know, or myself. Sometimes I get, you know, home late from work and I find myself having to eat later which is more times than not, mm-hmm. um, I always take a digestive enzyme mm-hmm. to sort of, you know, endogenous enzymes, right, to help me because I'm not actually making them and secreting them at, in those later hours. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, the acid is down, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the fire is out. Yeah. And, and I can feel it, you know, if I don't take any enzymatic support. And what ends up happening is in the morning, what I find is that, there's an excess of mucus production in the morning. My sinuses are um, inflamed, frankly. And because I'm more a dry constitution, like Bata, um, I don't actually have mucus per se, but my head feels as swollen as a balloon um, without that digestive enzyme support. How you feel in the morning, and you know, piggybacking off what you said about people not feeling awake in the morning, and starting your your morning the night before, right? So what you eat before bed is absolutely critical and how you're digesting and absorbing it as well because you don't want your body to focus on digesting food while you're sleeping because then it can't do any of the metabolic activity and cleaning house, uh, which is what it's doing at night. And people think that their body's quote-unquote resting while they're sleeping, but it's actually more active while we're sleeping. So you got to get out of the way and let the body do its thing. And in medicine, what I find the most productive is taking away more more than actually adding to a regimen. So take away the food, you know, hours before sleep. Like you were saying, like the kitchen closes at seven or, you know, in my house, probably nine. But again, you know, I'm just laying down the option for the, the, the late hours or the night shift workers that definitely make sure that you're getting a lighter meal if you have to, you know, eat late and then give that digestive system some support with the fuel uh, in the form of hydrochloric acid. Don't 
take that without any doctor support because, you know, if you have a stomach ulcer, it's, it's going to burn. Um, and some pancreatic enzymes. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to need some help there. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's absolutely so helpful and I think falls right in line, right, with these teachings. And I think bringing it into the experience of what we experience in today's world, right? We're not living in a place, we have these lights, we work later, we have, this is our experience. So how can this beautiful system also fit this container that we live in and give us some structure, but also it's flexible, you know, that it works with you and you will find using the enzymes, if you can't close the kitchen at seven or whatever's happening, to help get you close to that. And your body will so appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, we talked about in the last episode that, you know, if if you can't be 100% in alignment with the circadian rhythm, the most important part of that is to wake up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything to speak to that? You know, like, uh, you know, because I had asked, posed a question earlier. You have your vata, pitta, kapha. And do those constitutional types necessitate different wake times? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And thanks for circling around back to it. I think you're right. That bedtime and then waking up at the same time. So that's the bookends, the container, setting some structure around that. So we talk kind of about going to bed, but what about getting up? If you're not naturally waking up with sunrise or an hour before, um, then thinking about, I think that constitutionally, yes, it's it's maybe, kapha will tend to oversleep, right? Because I love sleep, it's snuggly, let's get in these covers, I just love my bed, it's my favorite place. And they could sleep too long, right? And if you sleep into that kapha time of day, so if you're waking up in that, um, more into that later and later into that six to 10 range, if you're not up before six or with the sun, then you can feel that heaviness all day long. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's had that experience where, man, I got like, 12 hours of sleep or I woke up at 10, but I didn't feel any better. I wanted to nap at noon. I felt tired all day because rather than waking up with the energy of movement, you're waking up with the energy of structure and stability. And the, the, if, if that's happening at 6.30 or 7, depending on where you live in the world and when what's going on with your time zone or what season it is. But if you move that to 10, if you're getting up at 10, 9 or 10 every day, you're going to feel heavy mm-hmm. during the day, right? Mm-hmm. So for in general, getting up between six and seven is best. Vata could use a little bit more sleep, although they wouldn't want to, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting that sleep. Yeah, yeah. So you could sleep in a little bit more, but they might get up during that time. Um, did that answer it or something more there? I think I think season's really important there, I think I want to say. So like in the in this time of year in your northern heavens hemisphere, when we're in summer, um, my room faces east. I love what you said about blackout, but have a little light. Crack saves. <laughs> crack saves. <laughs> From last episode, listen to crack saves. Um, but I, we have skylights. So when the sun comes up, like in the summer, I still go to bed at 10, but I'm up at 5, 5.30, and I don't, I feel refreshed. I got less sleep, but it was still deep breaths, and I was up with the sun. When we move into, in the Pacific Northwest, your cave time, as we move into <laughs> kapha season, I might still go to bed at 10, but I'm going to get up at 6.30 or 7. So for me, the rhythm is more seasonal mm-hmm. because of light, mm-hmm. um, but I still make sure I don't sleep 
past 6.30 or 7. Mm -hmm. um, I don't need an alarm in the summer. Sometimes at the peak of winter, I do need an alarm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I think maybe seasonally um, in finding your rhythm, and if you do tend towards more of that earth energy, just make sure you're not sleeping too much. Um, and so we've moved through the, the middle of the day and this peak of our digestion and activity and the sharpness mm. of the mind. Yeah. And look, hey, let's keep journeying. Yeah, let's circle down. So what's happening, um, we kind of touched on a little bit from that afternoon, two to six. And this is such an interesting time because it's another Vata time. But this is the time also where if you're cruising around, I guess, where we live too, there's a lot of drive through coffee shop lines, and you see those lines at 3 p.m., like, clogging up the streets, right? Everyone's getting their coffee fix at time, and why is that? It's because it, in that vata time, there can be fatigue. Vata gets fatigued. It's the energy of movement, but there's not, there's no earth, remember, there. So they can crash out, especially if they've gone, charged the full day. And, and this isn't just if you're a vata person. This is, we're all affected by these energies. So if we've overdone during the early part of the day, especially if we've overdone and skipped lunch, powered through, worked on through, had a bar, had a light lunch, had something for that wasn't actually taking time to have a meal, especially your largest meal, you're going to crash. And you're going to look for caffeine and you're going to look for sugar mm -hmm. during that time. Mm -hmm. And people want to get up and roam. So when we were in offices, some people are going back there. It's when you want to go talk to friends or wander down the hall. It's the energy <laughs> of movement, right? Mm -hmm. And so making sure that in that first part of the day, so you're not feeling crashed and you're borrowing energy with coffee and sugar or sugar coffee drinks at that time, that you're taking care of your time and in, in having lunch in that pit of time. But if you are feeling imbalanced, it's that creative time. It's a time to um, move away maybe from tasks that are sharp focus and brainstorm, have creative meetings, do a creative if you're in a creative field, it's a great time for creativity. Um, Exercise-wise, not like your most intense movement, but you could do some movement at that time. Um, I find sometimes if I'm overdone during the day, if I have 20 minutes, it's a great time for yoga nidra, mm. especially if you're a pitta or vata type. Can you tell us what yoga nidra is for those who... Just a, a practice. You can think of it as a guided meditation, although it's not. It's a deliberate practice that you would probably listen to unless you're skilled to move yourself through it where you relax. And they say that 20 minutes of yoga nidra, which means sleep of the yogi, is equal to two hours of sleep in that deep restful sleep. Mm -hmm. So if you need a little afternoon refresh, it's a nice time to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's a practice that where you, you lay down and it'll guide you through focusing on different parts of the body. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. You lay down, you get comfortable, and you're guided through these different layers of your being and different parts of your body to really try to draw you into that th theta wavelengths. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where you can get that really good deep rest, but you're not completely crashed out. You come back and yeah. you're kind of in between instead of the, you know, all the way down into the bottom of the ocean or like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're still feeling restless. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's pretty sweet. It is sweet. That theta wave. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so if any of you are a little lost or get lost on the yoga stuff, I'm sitting with two yoga master people <laughs> and the only yoga position I know is corpse. <laughs> Perfect. That's one. Yoga, yoga nidra, you just go into corpse. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Um, but yeah, don't you find it interesting, the 
you know, the time of day that, you know, kids get out of school mm-hmm. and there's that after, you know, that after school snack mm-hmm. needing to refuel. And, uh, you know, yeah. as far as athletics go, because I was a competitive athlete in college, you know, we have all of our practices and, and games mm-hmm. uh, at, you know, between three and five. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite a hustle. Um, what do you think about those time frames for you know, extreme competitive Mm -hmm. performance, is that a good time of day? Like also to add to that as a bodybuilder, I actually prefer somewhere between three and 5 p.m. because I've been trained as, you know, competitive athlete to work out at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you say that's a healthy time for, and now see, you know, going into the Vata Pitta real quick. So is that, a time frame that's better for one dosha type mm-hmm. at three to five to work out? Yeah, it's so interesting because then I read it also everything depends, right? We're talking generalities, but this is a really great specific question. And I think it's interesting with looking at um, competitive exercise and these sports and kids today, you're seeing uh, injuries earlier and earlier, structural inju- injuries, mm-hmm. and um, because they're in the kapha time. You're still growing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and even the kapha pitta time, depending on if you're moving through puberty or not, right? You're moving through a time where you want to build structure and stability. And probably also now you got hormones flooding the system. So no matter who you are in your individual constitution, you've got to think about these two things. So nourishing foods that are building, if you're in competitive sports at those times, balance with rest. And dialing back other areas where there might be a lot of intensity, Right, because if you're you're likely a pitta or a pitta vata if you're in competitive sports, it's the same, <laughs> right? And so it's it's so much intensity. The time of day you can't really do much about because of school schedules and when now when practice fields are free. Some some kids are at like hockey, for instance, at five o'clock in the morning, getting up for hockey and doing the thing. Right? When when can you get the time? So. Thinking about, yeah, are you having that, what is the nourishment before and after the practice and how are you resting? Where are the other areas of intensity? Are you doing three competitive sports? Are you in competitive sports and also academics? And where is the balance there? I think would be a place to look at it because you have more resilience at that age. So you can probably handle some exercise Mm -hmm. and some competition at that time and when things are scheduled. Um, but thinking about the, the those other pieces might be helpful. Okay. So it sounds like uh, like what you had said is that uh, the time of day may be less important than the season of life. Mm. Yeah. I think looking at season of life for that. With bodybuilding, though, that's interesting because if it's kapha time of day, you could, the closer you get to 6 p.m., like that's when you can build muscle and strength. Mm. And Again, if you've done it your whole life, there's such an individual piece for it. Your body might be attuned to that. And I'm looking at you, girl. It's working for you. So whenever (laughs) you're lifting those weights, keep lifting them then because it's not causing you an imbalance. And I think that's the other thing to look at. You can do that. It's working for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Individual medicine. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a few connections have bubbled up inside here. Um, You'd mentioned that in order to um, to set up your day, that happens the night before, but also the morning also determines the evening. And, and in our, our last episode, we talked about melatonin. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. not only the production of melatonin, depending on those early that early time, but also some of the issues that we find with all the supplementation of melatonin that's <gasps> happening. Please talk about this because I wanted to ask you about this. This lit me up the last time <laughs> because what I hear from people is like, oh, I'm just taking my melatonin gummy. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Let's talk I mean, about it's, that. It's, um, it's, it's under, undervalued as a hormone from the perspective that it's over-the-counter, right? Mm. And so when I say undervalued, what I mean to say is this is some serious business to give someone some melatonin. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're pretty much hijacking their own internal clock by saying, well, we're going to take over. And anything that your body endogenously makes, you really shouldn't exogenously take unless it's an absolute necessary. Um, melatonin is very sensitive to light and our food intake, our timing, right? So those are the two biggest, you know, which is what you've been touching on is, you know, sleep cycle and then also the food and to get out of the kitchen by 7 p.m. Um, it's, it's what's most alarming to me is that kids are taking melatonin. I mean, I kind of really want to focus on that as being, you know, concerning. And Dr. Jack Cruz talks about, and he's a neurosurgeon that I'm following right now. Um, to me, he's, uh, he's up and coming and uh, probably knows more about light in general than anyone else. Um, And he's talking about kids probably, you know, that are supplementing with melatonin, you're going to see the hijacking of the hormone system and, you know, maybe early cardiovascular disease. So, um, you know, don't, don't give your kids any melatonin, you know, and, um, you know, we used to, what do we used to put whiskey in there on their, what do we used to put whiskey (laughs) Back in the day, I would almost rather see that, but don't do that either. We got whiskey. To, I got whiskey. To calm down. Getting <laughs> whiskey. I got whiskey from my great grandfather. Irish, like Irish I mean, blood. These are some old school medicines, but to be honest, I mean, it's like yeah. you know. Of course, I don't advocate for alcohol. I I, I don't drink any alcohol. Neither do I. Um, but yeah, I mean, just validating, you know, the importance of of not giving kids melatonin to sleep. They're young enough and vital enough that they should be able to have their circadian rhythm set and working well for them. Mm -hmm. And really where the responsibility lies is on the parents maintaining their own circadian rhythm, you know, because Mm -hmm. kids do what they see. So parents, yeah, um, it starts with us, right? And just to get a little more specific, when you say that you know, hormones isn't going haywire, what like struck me was the testosterone, estrogen, like yes. that whole balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's what I was saying. It's like you're going to hijack the hormones, and from the perspective of you know testosterone and estrogen will decline, um, and this is why you know the opposite end of that is the serotonin that you get during the d- the day, basically from the sunshine. Uh, does the opposite and it and it boosts these hormones. So, yeah, I mean, no different than you know having hormones in cow milk and giving it to kids and, and thinking that's not going to hijack their hormonal system. You know, you, you don't want to give your kids hormones mm-hmm. of any kind at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about this, you know, also with kids and what like being the heyday for Ayurveda and Dinacharya because, 
you know, kids are scrolling late at night and in bed and then having these things. And what is happening? I really appreciate what you spoke to about at home having some container to create some structure around the circadian rhythm. If it's just bookends for when bedtime and getting up are consistent for adults and children and mealtimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely going into the synthetic blue light conversation, you know, mm-hmm. is, is, you know, it's important to touch on that and, you know, how dangerous it is for kids because you, you're you essentially interfering with brain development. I mean, even just from the perspective of electricity or in radiation from cell phones and laptops. And unfortunately, the kids of this generation are going to have early access to these, you know, these, these artificial lights and... And, and waves from, you know, 5G, 4G, 3, you know, 3G is turned off right now. Mm-hmm. So right now we're just working with 4G and 5G. And um, I, I kept my 4G phone because the last thing I want to do is pop 5G against my face. Um, but yeah, as far as, you know, the 3G, 4G, 5G goes, there was a study done quite a long time ago. I remember it was a long time ago because I was uh, a massage, solely a massage therapist at the time. So this is sort of when cell phones first came out. And I vividly remember the research uh, saying that the, the radiation from the cell phones emitted, uh, penetrated an adult's brain by 25%. So it's going 25% into your cor- your cortex. And then kids, it was 50%. And then for toddlers, three quarters of the brain, it's penetrating. And you're wondering why so many kids are having brain tumors um, and in thyroid dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, you know, that'll go into all the fluoride conversation as well. The because F they, word. yeah, what's that? <laughs> I call it the F word. The F word. Yeah. And yeah. So, um, yeah, so what we're trying to say here is you want to keep keep the melatonin away from the kids and and keep the electricity, you know, turn it off when the sun goes down or as close to, to you know, as you can and get these, you know, devices, the, the smart devices, which I think is funny to call it a smart device. It was probably the dumbest thing we did. Um, and get it out of their hands and get it away from their eyes. Um we're really, uh, we're going to see some problems here uh, when these kids hit 30. Mm-hmm. You, you really start to see what happens. Um, and, and really, you know, when the grid went down 125 years ago, for the first time, you actually saw dementia and Parkinson's and MS and all of these wonky, unnatural disease states mm-hmm. come on to the scene. Yeah. We didn't have any of that before the electrical grid so, yeah, all of this is just pulling us out of the circadian rhythm and uh, we're, we're electrically poisoned. Yeah, and it increases from, from an Ayurveda standpoint where you're speaking to with the eyes of pitta organ, having to take in and digest so much more. You're digesting all of this through the sensory organ, what's happening to your digestion in your gut and a vata imbalance. Everything coming, it's energy of movement, but that's how information moves. And so what you see today are these imbalances of of fire and air and what happens when you put those two things together, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
coming back to the power of dinacharya, really, the more you can align yourself to some structure around sunrise and sunset that works in rhythm with the body. And I'm always fascinated by these things, these trends that come out, right? And it's like, oh, that's dinacharya. Mm -hmm. So for me, when people are talking about, um, let's say, intuitive eating, which I think is interesting, right? But how are you going to eat intuitively? Because for Ayurveda, everything's on the table, right? Depends. And you listen to your body. But if your body, if your physiology, if when hormones are out of balance and you can't trust true hunger signals and you're not digesting at the right times, how can you eat intuitively when you don't even know what true hunger is or you eat when you're not hungry and you're not giving yourself the biggest meal at the, at the highest time when you have this capacity to digest? And so the more you attune to this rhythm, you can really Janelle and I had this conversation when we were stand-up paddleboarding not too long ago, that you really can tune into what does my body need now to nourish, but you need a container. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, going back to what you said about trusting your own hunger single signals, it's difficult to do when you're leptin-resistant, and you're leptin-resistant because you're synthetically blue light lit. So we know just from our discussion, you know, into the sun mm-hmm. episode, that this leptin or the leptin melanocortin pathway is going to be halted um, if we're in front of blue light. Um, you know, you have people who are working eight hours a day on a computer, and um, you know, for the most part, people will just complain about their eyes are tired and uh, their back hurts, but they don't understand that for eight hours, five days a week. They're making sugar, yeah. just looking at blue light, yeah. and they're wondering why they're gaining weight. I mean, add to that, you're not moving. Yeah. But more importantly, it's the blue light. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had talked about, you know, going on a, a tech diet, which I'm going to coin, Yeah. Um, you know, a, a blue light diet. And the food is less important from the perspective of metabolism that, you know, light is definitely more valuable from the perspective of, you know, we talk about food toxicity, but we really need to focus on blue light toxicity because in real time, you're, you're making sugar and yeah. you're increasing cortisol yeah. and you've got anxiety and you don't know why you're anxious. Yeah. And the, this is so, when, when I listened to that episode, I, that part was amazing because I think people are often wondering why they're hungry at night when they're watching screens and it's affecting hunger signals and like because you're flooding your body with sugar. And like I work with a lot of people with uh, cardiometabolic disease and chronic illness and you look at the rates of diabetes and, and pre-diabetes right now and younger and younger and then having those, that epidemic in relationship to what's happening with sugar in the system because we, we are constantly on screens. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And that might be a good segue into like then kind of the full circle back into that kapha time of day. Yeah, we're back. We're back to the evening and into feeling into the body and feeling fatigue and really preparing for sleep. And I think we I think we all agree or we highlight how important sleep is. Mm-hmm. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for any of the listeners who really don't you know, this is their first time hearing about Ayurvedic medicine and, um, you know, doshas. 
is do you recommend a place to start if they're interested in, in any support around their own rhythms? Yeah, I mean, the thing about Ayurveda is it's so empowering. So maybe there's, as we were talking, something that stood out in the day for you, whether it's how you start your day. If you start your day waking up on the go and you're scrolling first thing in the morning and there's no intention in the first part of your day, it's important to just take a few deep breaths, not you know ground, have some intentional start to the day. Maybe that's what where you start, or if you're skipping lunch, if something stood out to you there, can I at least sit for 15 minutes or 20 minutes and step away from my computer? Or maybe it was in the evening. So like a bookend, either beginning or end of the day to create something to to begin to slowly work towards. doesn't have to be a whole overhaul of everything. Or one touchstone that really stood out to you. Maybe it was that afternoon time. Oh, I could do a little rest or I could stop to take three deep breaths or I could pull back and watch the clouds for a few minutes or whatever could happen in that time in a small way. And then there's lots of resources out there. Um, The book I really like that talks about Dinacharya is uh, Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life Mm -hmm. by Dr. Suhas. And um, he was a teacher of mine and and, um, I really appreciate his wisdom around that. And so if you're interested in learning more, that's a good place to start. And I'm sure there's many, many people that are like, I want to work with you. How, how do we find you, Kate? <laughs> yeah, and I'm happy to talk to you as well. Um, uh, KateTowell.com. And um, yeah, you can you can reach out to me there. And I think there's going to be some places too in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to, any questions, just to answer questions that you might have that came up as well. Do you have any projects coming up that you want to tell us about? I'm so excited right now because my website is getting an overhaul to kind of better reflect where I am today. And um, I'm going to bring back online my group program, Rock Your Daily Rhythm, which is getting a a revamp as well Um, because lots has happened, as you all may know, in the last three and a half years and (laughs) what's happening with rhythm. I think it's so important. And um, I'm also doing a lot of uh, forest bathing and guiding forest walks. So that's really what I've been diving into as well right now. Sweet. Well, it's been just an absolute pleasure to have you, Kate. Always so good to talk to you. And I just love how we we all light up. We <laughs> Good minds get together, good hearts and minds. Um, so it's just been a useful conversation to me. I learned a lot. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate this podcast so much and I am happy to have been a part of it. We hope this conversation has empowered you. Remember, you are unique and you are a miracle. Your body doesn't make mistakes. It responds perfectly to an imperfect environment. Until next time, go get that life. <laughs>